Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. And we're going to, as Robert said, we're going to continue our series. So let's dive in. We uh, I've been in a series called Your Words, talking about God's words to us, our words to God, and to one another. This morning, we're going to talk about the seven habits of highly destructive tongues. Um, I'm going to talk about those habits, and at the end of each habit, as I go through it, I'm going to give you the life-giving, the, the power, because the, the theme verse for this series has been Proverbs 18.21. Let's read that together, Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's a great day for us to be talking about the tongue and our words, because this is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, and it's actually a holiday that had been celebrated for, for centuries before Jesus ever arrived on the scene, because it was the day that God gave his people the Ten Commandments. When Moses got the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, they celebrated that because God had spoken his words into their lives and given them ways to live, ways to be in relationship with God and ways to be in relationship with one another. So they'd been celebrating that day. And then when Jesus uh, resurrected 50 days later on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit came and filled those who were gathered in the upper room and they began to speak. They began to speak in languages they had not before understood. They understood one another speaking in their own language. God was doing a reverse of the curse. The curse we see in Genesis chapter 11, you may want to write that down in your notes so you can look it up later. In Genesis 11, we have the story of the Tower of Babel. The people had been building this tower saying, we won't need God, we'll make a name to ourselves. We'll build this tower. And they all spoke the same language. And God said, well, you're not going to do that because you're turning your back on me. And so to stop you, he, to stop them, he confused their language and they were scattered all over the earth. And at Pentecost Sunday, God reverses that and they can now understand one another because they are united under his lordship and the Holy Spirit is living in them, is going to speak into them words of truth and life that will be spread all over the globe in the kingdom of God. Pretty cool, isn't it? How God reverses a curse through words. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we dive into this. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. The writer here is making a comment on who God is. Don't think that God isn't powerful enough to save. Don't think he doesn't hear you when you pray or when you're speaking. But here's the problem. He goes, But your iniquities, your sinful lives, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken falsehood. Your tongue mutters wickedness. Notice how many times he's talking about what's in our hearts and what comes out of our lips. The Bible tells us what we speak comes out of our hearts. And because of the sinful, iniquitous life that they live, they have separated themselves from God. God's not left anywhere. He's not limited his ability, nor is he limited in his ability to hear. But our separation from him at times causes a disconnect in our relationship with him and with one another. What he's saying is you've done what you've done because you've said what you've said, because what's in your heart. 
So let's dive into those seven practices of highly destructive tongues. At the end of each practice, I'll give you the life side of that, of that uh, habit. Habit number one is telling lies. Proverbs, the, the, we'll look at Proverbs chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, turn there uh, in a minute. But the, the book of Proverbs, I love it because it is so practical for our everyday lives. Today's the May 15th, so you should read Proverbs 15 today. There's one proverb for every day of the month. I do that every single day. I read the proverb of that particular day, and it just speaks into my lives. There are three in my life. There are three themes in the book of Proverbs. The themes in the book the, of the three themes in the book of Proverbs are about our money, our morals, and our mouth. If you're reading Proverbs, you're going to read something about your money or your morals or your mouth. Those are the three primary themes. Let's see what Proverbs chapter 6 has to say, verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. We'll talk about the word abomination in a little bit. He goes on to say these, these are the seven things. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among, his bro- among the brothers. Notice that three out of the seven things have to do with our mouths. And there's really four because he, when he talks about the heart, we know that the heart expresses itself through our mouth. So four out of the seven thing that, things that God abhors, things that he thinks of as an abomination to him, have to do with the condition of our heart and our mouth, what we speak out of our mouths. Let's look on at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. It says, lying lips are an abomination, there's that word again, to the Lord. But those who deal faithfully are his delight. Let me talk about the word abomination. It's a very strong word in God's word. We don't use that word probably on a regular basis, but the word abomination means idolatry. It really means you've been bowing at the throne of God, but an abomin- when abomination enters your life, you leave that throne and you turn to the throne of Satan. You've been bowing at the throne of truth. Now you're bowing at the tr- throne of lies. It's an abomination. It's detestable to God. The root word there is idolatry. So, the reason God detests lying is that it's completely counter to his nature. The character and nature of God is truth. He can only speak truth. All truth comes from God. Everybody agrees with that, right? Most of you agree with all truth comes from God, right? All truth comes from God. That's, that's who he is. He is love. He is truth. If it's not true, it's not of God. It's the opposite of who God is. Now, this became a significant problem for me. I'll tell you, tell you a tale story about myself. I can remember when I was five years old going to kindergarten, I'd ride the bus to school and back every day. And the bus driver I had was, his name was Bill. He was kind of, he was like Wild Bill. He was just kind of a crazy guy. And um, he would drive the bus way too fast. And, and you know, he would get, the bus would actually slide around on this gravel road. And he used to get frustrated with the 
road grader. Now, if I had known better, I'd have said, well, why don't you just slow down? But he would get frustrated with the guy who was maintaining the roads. Many of you don't even know what a road grader is, right? It's a, it's a big machine that goes up and down the roads. And he said to me one day, he said, I'll tell you what, Dennis, as I was getting off the bus, he said, you know what, what I think you should do? Next time the road grader goes by your house, why don't you pick up some rocks and just throw them at it? And I thought, you know, I think I will. So the, sure enough, the next time the road grader comes by our house, I ran down our long lane down to the, to the road, and I started picking up rocks, throwing them at this road grader. And fortunately, he didn't stop. I don't know if he even saw me. But as I got back to our house, you know how moms have eyes everywhere? As I got back to our house, my mom asked me this question. She said, uh, Dennis, were you throwing rocks at the road grader? And in that moment, this has been a long time ago. This is, I was only five years old. Um, <laughs> last service, I slipped and I said, this is only five years ago. It actually was a long, a long time ago. I was only five years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I said to her, no, I didn't throw rocks. Of course, she, you know, she's a mom. She ultimately got it out of me. And now I'm crying, and, and now I get a spanking, and I'm in trouble because I, not just because I threw rocks, but because I, but that started something in me. You know what I realized? If I'm going to lie, I have to be good at it. And so it started something in me. As a kid, all the time I was growing up, I got really good at lying. It sort of established a stronghold in my spirit. And it wasn't until at about age 17 when I finally stepped into the kingdom that I had the power available to me through the power of God to overcome that habit. I had the habit of a lying tongue. And so I've made myself available to my wife and my kids. I told my kids from the time they were little bitty kids, I said, and, and my wife, if you, if you hear me say something or you see me do something that doesn't line up with God's will and God's character and God's nature, I want you to call me on it. And my kids were like, all right. <laughs> and they did because I understood I needed to be held accountable. I needed to submit. This takes humility and it takes a lot of courage to submit ourselves to one another so that we can help one another make certain we're going to tell the truth. Number two. So, so the, the life-giving part of that is let's just tell the truth. If we have a lying tongue, we have to ask for help, ask God to deliver us from that, and tell the truth. Secondly, second habit is sowing strife. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12 says, a worthless, this is, these are pretty strong words, a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. How do you do that? With your mouth. Therefore, his calamity, it's a strong word, his calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken and there will be no healing. Those are strong words from God in his word, aren't they? You speak strife, you speak calamity. And when you sow, the, this is the law of sowing and reaping. In fact, Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that will he will also reap. Law of sowing and reaping all the way through God's word. When we sow strife, 
We're sowing calamity into someone else's life, into someone else's marriage, someone else's relationship, someone's family, someone's business, someone's organization. And we are sowing seeds of calamity. And those seeds bear, uh, grow and, and grow roots and become trees and bear fruit. And that fruit gets, comes back into our lives. The Bible says it will reap calamity in our own life. See, the, the place where unity is most needed is in a marriage or in a family or in a church, for example. We need unity, don't we? And we need to speak that into one another's lives. We need to speak unity. We need to speak grace. We need to not strife, not, not calamity. So the power we have in our tongue is to speak unity and oneness and it takes a lot of focus and intentionality to do this because the world we live in loves to speak strife they love i mean it's been, it's a proven fact that if a negative fact is known it will be repeated 47 times if a positive fact is known it will only be repeated about six times it's proven people in the world we live in love to speak calamity. So it takes a lot of focus and intentionality on our part. The third habit is this, gossip and slander. Gossip is spreading in intimate or private rumors or facts. Slander is spreading false rumors. There's a lot of that that goes on, on in our lives and in our world as well. Isn't it? Proverbs chapter 20 verse 19 says, he who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets Therefore, do not even associate with a gossip. Now, the, the, the truth about slander is a majority of the people in our world do this all the time. Because when you repeat or when I repeat or when someone else repeats any fact at all and we don't know the facts, we don't know the truth, we are very likely speaking slanderous information about someone else. We need to be careful about that. There's, it's a dangerous thing. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 20, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's going to visit them, and he's warning them ahead of time. He said, you may not want me to come because I've heard what's going on in Corinth. It's, he's sort of like a parent who's yelling down the stairs saying, don't make me come down there. Here's what he says. He says, I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish and may be found by you to be not what you wish, that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, and disturbances. You know, isn't it amazing that Christians, people who call themselves Christ followers, are notorious for making gossip and slander seem good and acceptable. Here's the way it works. It, it works like this. Uh, you kind of look around and you go, now, I'm going to tell you something that's very confidential so that you can pray. See, we all know how that works, don't we? So that you can pray about it. We turn prayer requests into gossip or sometimes even slander. Um, the problem with that is, friends, that a lot of times when when we say those things, we don't pray. So there's not a lot of prayer and there's not a lot of care that's actually happening. 
You know, it's one thing to say, you know, I really do have compassion, and I do feel a burden for this situation, and I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to ask God to intervene, and I'm going to ask him to get involved, and I'm going to ask him to bring healing and restoration and redemption and, re and, and reconciliation or healing, whatever it might be. I'm going to pray fervently about that. But even when you share that, you don't need to share the confidential information. Just share, I've got a friend. Would you pray for my friend? I don't even need to tell you my name, his name. God knows who it is. Just agree with me in prayer. But often, how many times a day do you hear the words, hey, did you hear? And it gets everybody's attention, doesn't it? And then something gets shared about someone that everybody knows, and it's information that maybe they don't even need to hear. Um, it's like, you know, when we read something on the Internet. You know, we, of course, we know everything we read on the Internet is true, right? Um, Psalm 140, verse 11 says, May a slanderer not be established in the earth. May evil hunt the violent man speedily. That's a pretty serious rebuke, isn't it? He calls someone who's slanderer, a slanderer evil or violent and says, again, this law of sowing and reaping, when you speak it, it's going to hunt you down. Proverbs 10.18 says, He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, Paul writing to the Corinthians again says, But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler. A reviler is someone who's constantly stirring up trouble. In our culture, in our day, we might call that person a pot stirrer. He puts that person, a pot stirrer, someone who's constantly stirring up trouble in the same category as someone who's immoral, sexually immoral, covetous, an idolater, a drunkard or a swindler. He says, don't even eat with such a one. Help them understand that what they're doing is causing separation in relationship. Um, friends, we need to stop. We need to stop doing these kinds of things. We need to stop giving negative or bad information about someone else to, especially speaking those kinds of things about our spouse or our children. In fact, I would even go so far as to say, if you hear someone doing that, please ask them to stop. Say, stop doing what you're doing right now. Because what you're doing is, not only is it not helpful, it's destructive. And friends, that could stop today. It could stop right now. Any habit, any, uh, any tendency we have to not speak blessing, to stop speaking curses and instead speak blessing, that can begin today. And it needs to begin today. Everybody agree with that? So we, we need to stop sharing those kinds of things. We need to speak good reports and build one another up. The fourth habit is tail-bearing, revealing secrets or breaking confidences. Proverbs 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 13. He who goes about as a tail-bearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. James chapter 5, verse 16. This is the brother of Jesus speaking. He says, therefore... Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another 
so that you may be healed. What's James saying? It's really, really powerful. This is a powerful truth. This may be worth coming for, for today. What he's saying is, when you confess your sins to God and ask him to forgive you, he forgives you. When we confess those things to one another, in what needs to be the safest environment on the planet, it leads to our healing. Because it's, it's almost like if you've ever eaten something that didn't agree with your system, and you get sick, and you need to get that out of your system, that's what confession is. It leads to getting it out and getting it gone so that you can be healed. God forgives, and we can speak healing into one another's lives by confessing. But, but that happens when we're healthy and when we're really caring for one another, and when we're really praying for one another in a biblical way so that we experience the kind of healing with our words and with our hearts that God has in mind for us, and that's the way we can minister to one another. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing when it happens the way it's supposed to happen. See, information is power, isn't it? We all know that. Information is power. But character, godly character, is having power and using it wisely. You know, just write that down. Information is power. But godly character is having power, but using it wisely. That's why many will never have power. That's why God will not entrust some people with power, because they can't use it wisely. So, the way we can speak life into one another's lives from our mouths from our tongues is we need to speak healing and we need to really care and pray for one another. The fifth habit is cursing. Cursing. Romans chapter, chapter 3 verse 13 says, their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. See, the reason we call cursing cursing is because when you curse, you curse. It's the way it works. We're cursing. We, God has given us the ability with our mouths to either bless or curse. We sometimes don't realize how significant that is. God tells us to speak blessing, not cursing. Um, the word damnation is a biblical word, and it gets shortened in our culture and becomes a curse word. I was, uh, this last week, uh, Monday afternoon, I had a little bit of time between two meetings, and I, I had like 30 minutes, so I decided, I'm going to go out. I've been putting this off. I need to get another uh, honey super on my beehive. I need to get out there to do that. So I, I thought, well, I've just got just enough time to do this. The weather was decent. So I, I went out, parked at my shop, got the key, uh, went through the door, and I noticed that the door didn't open quite right, and um, it just was sort of pushed hard, and then I kind of looked down. This all happened in a split second. I looked down, and there's a snake that's been caught under the door because I opened it on him, and about 18 inches of the snake is sticking out in my direction, and it's, it's, it's the head end, and so he's snapping at me, and I, I, I jumped practically out of my pants, and I cursed the snake. And then 
I did a Genesis 3.15 on him. You know what that means? Genesis 3.15 says, The serpent will bruise your heel, but you will bruise his head. I bruised his head. Um, we have the ability to, by the way, it was a five-foot-long bull snake. It was kind of, no wonder I jumped. I hate snakes. <laughs> when you curse something that you care about or someone that you care about, you speak damnation into their lives, over their lives. Why would you do something to, like that to someone you care about? I mean, you know, why would you, why would you curse your, your car or your house or, you know, your golf game? Guys, no wonder your golf game isn't going anywhere. Why would you curse your bank account, your checking, your checkbook? It's got enough problems without being cursed. And sometimes people even curse their spouses or their children or their friends. God's given us a very powerful ability, and sometimes we don't realize the significance of what we're doing and the ability that God's given us to create, to speak either blessing or cursing. Psalm 109, verse 17 says, He also loved cursing, so it came to him. This is the law of sowing and reaping. You sow something, you are going to reap it. It says, He did not delight in blessing, so it was far from him, but he clothed himself with cursing with his garment, and it entered his body like water and like oil into his bones. You ever notice that oil and water don't mix? When you take those two agents into your life, it's going to be a bad deal. I grew up in a, in a community of farmers, and occasionally my dad and I would go to the local coffee shop, and you know, on a rainy day or something, we'd go and have coffee and, and catch up on what's going on in the community and so. And uh, a couple of these, uh, two or three of these guys, um, they couldn't hardly speak a full sentence without adding at least one or two curse words in the middle of it. I mean, you know, the one thing I will say about them is they were very creative. They just couldn't hardly speak without cursing. And I didn't realize the significance of this at the time. But as I watched their lives unfold, and now especially looking back many years later, I can go to every single one of those guys, and I can see how many of them used to be big, successful farmers, have large operations. They're all broke today. And most of them, their kids hate them, and as I watched and looked at the ways that their lives unfolded, it always seemed like their crops and livestock were always causing more problems. They were the ones that would have insect infestations and all kinds of disease problems. I don't know how much of that has to do with their language, but I know this. Their lives were clearly not in line with God. And I know this. I'm an old farm boy, and I know what it means to reap and sow. And when the law of God in his word says, you reap what you sow, it means what it says. It's true. So the power of life and death are in the tongue. We need to speak blessings. The sixth habit is filthy language, closely connected to this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, but now you also put 
them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, the Bible is telling us. Because if it's coming out of your mouth, remember what the source of that is. It's coming from your heart. Uh, Many of the temptations we struggle with, listen carefully, many of the temptations and sin we struggle with have a direct correlation to what we listen to and what we say. The environments we're in are significant. No, There are no neutral environments. Every environment and every person is designed to lead you somewhere. And it's much more influential than you may think. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as a word is, word is, is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that we will give grace to those who hear So, we have the power of life in our tongue. We need to speak grace and peace. Finally, the seventh habit is contentious speech. Contentious speech. Being a person of contention. Someone who likes to argue all of the time. Hurtful, hateful, malicious, disagreeable, or argumentative. Proverbs 21 verse 9 says, It's better to live in the corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Be careful about the amens. (laughs) But ladies, um, there's also one that speaks directly to men. Proverbs 26, 21 says, Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Nobody likes people who are contentious. You don't want to spend time around people who are contentious, people who just love to argue and stir up strife all of the time in every environment they're in. Nobody wants to be around a person who wants to always be right. I've got a friend that uh, moved away several years ago, and I just would constantly talk to him and say, you know, you don't always have to be right. And this, is, this was something that God, uh, or that, that, yeah, God used a friend, another friend of mine many years ago to remind me. Because I was one of those people. I just always wanted to be right. He said, you know what? It's better to be in relationship than it is to be right. you agree with that? It's better to be in relationship than it is to be right. So if you're one of those people that thinks that every time you walk in a room, you're the smartest person in the room and you're going to straighten everybody out and tell them that you're right about everything, you're a contentious person. You need to be a person of peace. A person that people love spending time. Speak love. Speak belief into people's lives. You know, I was thinking this week as I prepared for this message about the Israelites as they prepared to enter the promised land. And the the first time they got to the edge of the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies to spy it out. And they came back saying, we can never, 10 of of the 12 came back saying, we can never go in the land. It's full of giants. We felt like grasshoppers in their eyes. They'll squash us like bugs if we go into that land. We can't go in there. God's brought us out here to kill us. They were speaking lies. They were speaking negatively. They were speaking contentious language. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can go in there. God's led us this far. Look what God's done. He has led us here. He wants us to be in the promised land. 
but they were turned away. Now, do you know why there were giants in the land? You know, these were the ancestors to Goliath, huge people. There were giants in the land because God wanted them there so that no one else could take the land without God's help. You have to have God's help to overcome your giants. Now, you may have a giant of iniquity in your life. You may have a giant of some other kind, but, you know, the other reason God put giants in the land was so that when his people took the land, they could live in giant houses with vaulted ceilings, massive doorways, and king-sized beds. Because they're going to live in houses they didn't build. And they're going to eat from vineyards they didn't plant and drink from wells they didn't dig. And that's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for you in your promised land. And the promised land he has for you God led his people to the promised land. But he was not going to, listen carefully, God was not going to let them go in until he could get their mouths to line up with his word. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness. It could be that you're in the wilderness you're in Because you haven't been agreeing with what God wants to do in your life. It could be you've got giants in your heart or in your mind or in your life that you can't overcome because you're so busy thinking of yourself as a bug in their eyes that you haven't asked God to help you. As I was preparing this message this week, there was a very clear sense in my own heart that today would be one of those days that we'll all remember a day when God speaks into our lives a very important truth that affects every moment of every day. The thoughts we think, the, the condition of our heart, and the words we speak. Every relationship, every day is impacted by what we're talking about this morning from God's Word. So, with uh, worship team, you can come on and get ready. With everybody looking around this morning, I just want to do this as we confess to one another. With everybody looking around, the lights are up, we're getting ready to sing another song. But before we do that, I want to ask everyone, we did this at 9 o'clock. If God's speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you from God's Word this morning, and you know that there are some things that you need to confess and that there's some things, that, some ways that God needs to change your heart and align your mouth with his word, then I just want you to raise your hand really high right now and just say, yeah, he's speaking to me. That's me. He's speaking to me. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hands. And in a minute, I want to invite you to come and pray because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to seal in our spirit what he's done for us today. So that today will be the last time we speak to our spouse or our children or our friends or our associates or our anybody else. Or even, I had people tell me after the 9 o'clock, you know, there's, there are ways I've spoken to my computer. <laughs> I realize I need to change because it's coming out of my heart.
So I want to invite you to come and pray. And seal today. Let the Holy Spirit seal today what he's accomplished in our own hearts and in our minds and in our mouths. So let's stand and worship. Let's come and pray. And let God do what he wants to do. Don't hold back. Don't resist him. Lots of people came at 9 o'clock and sealed this time as the Holy Spirit does what only he can do. So come and pray this morning. As I was praying just now, God spoke to me and said, there are several people here that have been speaking to themselves in ways that speak death. If you speak to yourself and say, you know, you're such an idiot. If you speak to yourself and say, I'm so stupid. If you speak to yourself and say, I'm, I'm, what was I thinking? What was I, I'm, so, I'm so dumb. God wants you to break agreement with all that and remind you of this. If God wouldn't say it, it's not true. So don't say something about yourself or about anybody else that God wouldn't say. Because when God sees you, he sees his daughter. And he sees his son. He would never speak death into your life. And he doesn't want you to either. So agree with what God says. And receive what he says about you. Because it's true. And stop agreeing with everything else. And stop speaking everything else. And live in his blessing and in his truth and in the life he has for you. Remember, drop your prayer requests, your tithes and offerings as you leave so we can be praying for one another throughout the week, praying life. Father, as we as we receive what you have for us today. We're so thankful, so thankful for your truth and thankful that even when you correct us, you don't condemn us. You correct us to bring us out of a ditch or a disaster or a challenge and you want us to live and be healed and experience life in all of its fullness so thank you for that father that you never condemn and you never shame us and you always want to speak life help us now to agree with you in every moment of every day to speak life to ourselves to you to one another so that we reflect who you are and your glory it's in the name of jesus we pray and everybody said Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week. Congratulations to all the graduates and to those who have been baptized. God bless.